recording. You want to do one of your famous intros? Yeah. Another another episode. Welcome for another episode. I'm I'm terrible at them. I'm, you don't have like your reading prompt, no, your little no, script. Energizing. Like, what do we say? What do we even say when we start? It's like terrible. when my mom films me as a kid. It was like every video was like, "There's Jake. There he is. <laughs> That's Jake. Like, there he is again. <laughs> there, there he is riding his bike. There he is climbing a tree. Yeah. Did she narrate like what the date was? Yeah, and what yeah, the event all was? It. It's there all on like VHS. There you go. April third, Jake's riding a bike. Justin, my mom. Yeah. Much Which the days of the whole, you know, dads holding the camcorder thing are gone That's now gone. because of this. Oh yeah, right. It's way more convenient. I have like fifteen thousand like pictures and in, in, in videos on my phone. It's like mostly 15, like, it's like mostly my kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally. Well, yeah, well, we got Austin Wilcox here from AQ Capital and from the Bitcoin Endowment. Um, Austin is seriously one of my favorite people I've met in the space. And I do say that a lot because we normally do have <laughs> just our buddies on here. But honestly, it, it, you've been great to get to know over the last couple of years, year and a half. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, I likewise, think doing, by the way. Yeah, Justin, thank you likewise. very much. Appreciate it. <laughs> But yeah, I am very excited to talk about your stuff you got going on because I think it's very, very cool. Um, I think it's something that is going to be embraced by a lot of groups for a multitude of reasons, both economically for them, there's some benefit, but also just from a from an outreach standpoint. And I won't dive into, I'm going to let you talk about it, but um, I'm excited about it to really kind of get more attention for what you're doing and and kind of the benefits of it, not only for miners and kind of some economic value, but like the intrinsic value that you're going to bring to a lot of people and to yourself for, for putting something like this oh, together. Thanks, so I appreciate yeah, that. man. We're excited to hear about it, but Austin's been great, dude. He's, he's out of Dallas, right? And I won't That's I mean, right, just let yeah. you tell the story. So tell us about yourself, like how you got into Bitcoin, <laughs> your journey into. Oh man. How know, much time do we have? Lock the doors. Yeah, lock it. We got plenty let's, of time. Let's start off with what do you do? What's your elevator pitch? And then let's, let's hear the whole story. Uh, yeah, sure. So first and foremost, I mean, thanks, guys. I mean, I appreciate mm. it. Super excited. Cheers, by the yeah, way. Cheers. Yeah. Thank cheers. you. Thanks, Chris Alfano, for this yeah. bottle. Yep. Thank appreciate you, Chris. It. But uh, yeah, so um, so first and foremost, I'm a Bitcoiner. Mm. I mean, so that's what I do. So when when people ask me what I do, I, I kind of, you know, re- respond with, you know, well, what's your Bitcoin strategy? Right, right. right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so AQ Capital, we're a Bitcoin-focused investment firm. So we believe that a Bitcoin strategy goes beyond just holding Bitcoin and figuring mm-hmm. out how to not lose it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, we invest in ventures, we invest yeah. in miners, and then we want to do all that tax efficiently mm-hmm. as part of a broader Bitcoin strategy, which we'll get into, mm-hmm. I'm sure, uh, later on. And then as part of that uh, strategy, then uh, on the tax efficiency side, we launched what's called the Bitcoin Endowment. So uh, we're doing business as the Bitcoin Endowment. It's called AQ Giving, DBA, the Bitcoin Endowment. And we'll get into that mission, I'm sure, at some point, because yeah. it really uh, you know, triggered Justin in terms of his you know, belief and our connection mm-hmm. within that. And, and the mission is really simple there. And that's, and that's really to accelerate and spread the core values of Bitcoin, the shared values of Bitcoin and Bitcoin the ethos to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. We're all in this space because we believe Bitcoin is good. Right. And I think there's a disconnect mm-hmm. uh, with the rest of the world understanding that. And so we want to accelerate that mm-hmm. ethos through the Bitcoin endowment. I think so, what's funny is like, I think all of us are probably guilty of being those guys at the bar 
You get to meet Jason. Yeah. It's like, let me talk to you about Bitcoin, right? Yeah. And then like yeah. seven hours later, somebody's just like, oh my God, this guy was shut there. And you've been able to make a, a living out of it. I'm a little jealous. Like, I mean, I guess I, I have too. And I guess, I guess we all have. <laughs> I'm thinking about it. Yeah, it's kind of what But we it's do. like cool that it's like your singular focus. Yeah. You know, moving forward. So tell, how, how did you get into Bitcoin? I think that's always an important part. Oh, yeah. I mean, do we want to talk like background like yeah. and just well, yeah, uh, like literally. how I grew up or stuff like that? Because I feel like a lot of people get Whatever into you think it's important. I mean, yeah. gosh, Dude, we there's don't a lot have, of things there. There's no clock on this. It's, there's no clock. No, uh-uh. We might what, run out of whiskey at some right, point. That's, that's the clock, the bottle. Well, I mean, you know, the reason I ask that is because I think people come to Bitcoin based on a worldview or a mm-hmm. bias or some sort of life experience that leads them to Bitcoin in, yeah. in, in different ways. Um, so I grew up, uh, I'm an Iowan, so I'm a proud Iowan. I grew up in, you know, the middle of the Midwest in a middle class town with middle class family. And I was the middle child. And, <laughs> um, and so, you know, grew up with those, you know, kind of core values of, of, of hard work. You know, I can always hear my dad's, you know, voice in my head. The harder that you work, the luckier you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he learned that from his dad. Um, but then also just, you know, if you've ever met an Iowan before, they're just really nice people. They're just good people people so they're almost as good as missourians i mean that's crazy midwest baby. yeah midwest <laughs> yeah so you know like my grandmother's one of her because we're gonna talk you, you hear me talk a lot about values core values shared values and, and one of her values was you know just be a good person yeah um and so i uh, grew up in des moines uh went to west des moines valley was the high school uh got recruited to play baseball at the university of iowa so went to the university of iowa I ended up not playing baseball there. I practiced baseball there for <laughs> for a year. I, I redshirt my freshman year and watch us just we weren't last in the Big Ten. We were like, if there was a place below last place, we were there. We were we were bottom of the Big Ten. That's and I was on the bench. So if that tells you anything about my baseball career. Hey man, you still, you played at Iowa. That's you practiced, I practiced, at, you at, practiced Iowa. at Iowa. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but in my defense, I was majoring in a couple other things. I was majoring in finance. And uh, through the business school, I was majoring in girls and partying. Oh yeah, uh, University of Iowa. We, you know, we yeah, know how we, to do. We know how to do it up there. We know how to yeah, do it up there. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. so then after business school, you know, we do what all of us do, which is, you know, who's going to hire me? How do I get a job? And I had a summer internship with a with a risk management and consulting firm in the insurance industry. And at that time, I thought I was going to get into investment banking, um, mainly because. Uh, do you guys remember? Yeah, of course you do, because now it's a movie. Uh, the movie Moneyball. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the book Moneyball. Right. So you're right. Like I played baseball. You're <laughs> yeah. like I could. I studied finance. Like, yeah, I, I can do this. I could be. I could be Jonah Hill. I could be Jonah Hill. I could be Billy Bean. Like what the heck? I want to do this. Well, that's what got me into finance because I was a baseball player, and at that time, then baseball analytics really started taking off, and I was reading things like Bill James and reading mm. Baseball Prospectus. And I'm a massive Chicago Cubs fan. Grew up going oh, to Wrigley gosh, Field. I'm sorry, bro. Are you a Cardinals fan? I'm a fan? huge Cardinals fan. Oh, dude, I, I we liked you friends. so much, man. I thought we were friends. I did. I'm t- we're going to have to catch a baseball game. Show's over. Let's go. <laughs> I'm playing good. I think, how are the Cardinals doing this terrible. year? Terrible. Okay, know, that's why I asked. Yeah, I know. I figure they're horrible this year. It's embarrassing, but. But yeah. I got into I got into finance because as as I realized I wasn't going to go pro in baseball, I was going to go pro in something else. Um, the analytics side of the game really started taking shape with me. And I wrote and, and at the time you could tell the Cubs GM, Jim Hendry, mm. was not an analytics based guy. Whatever it is Billy Bean was doing, Jim Hendry was on the opposite yeah. side of the spectrum. 
you know, whereas Billy Bean would look at a guy's stats and maybe what his, you know, on base percentage and slugging and, and, and how he does this and that and what that means for his fair market valuation. Is he undervalued or overvalued? Jim Hendry's like, dang, that guy looks like a baseball player. He just looks like a baseball right, player. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm way over. What does that even mean? <laughs> That's right. I mean? Yeah. That's right. And uh, so I wrote an open letter to Jim Hendry of all the mistakes he was making, you know, as a college freshman studying uh, all this stuff. He never responded to my letter and he never made those changes. But uh, yeah. he was subsequently fired yeah. and the Cubs eventually, you know, hired well, Theo, Theo Epstein, right, right. who was a disciple of, uh, of Billy Bean. And they went on to win the World Series. So there was something there. But um, but that's what got me, you know, fat baseball is what got me fascinated in finance. Mm. And then finance is what eventually, you know, of course, uh, led me to Bitcoin. So at that time in college, I was interviewing with investment banks. I thought for sure I was going to be an investment banker, do the thing. And um, when I interviewed with the investment banks, walking around the offices and seeing all the people in the corner offices, sure, they certainly looked wealthy, but they looked miserable. Mm hmm. There's one thing you know about investment bankers. It's yeah, you're, it's like you're you're miserable. You're, you're miserable. so overworked. Yeah, you're so yeah. overworked. Yeah. There was a guy that I was friends with who was just like, yeah, I'm going back into investment banking. He was just like, he's like, this is probably my last. We're at the gym. He's like, this is probably like my last workout. He's like, I don't think I'll probably be working out for like the next three years. Ugh. He was like, you know, I, he's like, I I go in at seven. I leave at like 3 a.m. I sleep for a few hours. I come back and I just do it again. I work weekends. He was like, I can't have a girlfriend. Dude. That's, and that's pretty that's pretty accurate like if you really want to get ahead it's like it's like working right. on wall street almost like you have to just grind it out for like years but hey if you have the ability to just i guess man to just be for laser me, focused and just burn the candle from both ends you I can walk know. away pretty wealthy yeah but. they can but i just for me and look everybody's got their own journey they're going but i i'm i have zero desire like we're all dying you know oh, yeah. what i mean that's right it, you're all dying I don't want to spend it behind a freaking desk doing that stuff all day long. I'm optimizing so. for freedom, baby. Right. That's right. right. Me too. That's probably a good lead into the Bitcoin stuff. But right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, because yeah, wealth, wealth is not money. Wealth no. is time and, right. and the freedom to do things. And I always knew I wanted to be wealthy because I wanted to have that freedom of time to mm -hmm. be able to do whatever the heck it was that I wanted to do, whether that was write letters to baseball GMs or, right. yeah. you know, do whatever, right? And so, um, so I walked around that office Everyone looked miserable. And then I walked around the offices of a local, you know, risk management insurance firm and everyone looked super happy. Mm -hmm. and, and I started to learn more about the firm. And the whole idea was, well, in the first couple of years, you're going to work like three people and get paid like one. But then as long as you work hard and put in the work, proof of work, what comes on the other side is you get to work, uh, you get to work like one person and get paid like three for mm -hmm. the rest of your life. Mm. with insurance, you know, sales, so yeah. to speak, right? With the yeah. annuity aspect of it. So that was really appealing to me. I got broad exposure to that industry, risk management, finance, captive insurance, employee benefits, property casualty, all kinds of great stuff. And then to make a long story long, apologies. Uh, again, how much time do we have? <laughs> we're good, we're good. Um, uh, I, I ended up um, putting some data sets together that caught the attention of, of, of some of the higher ups. And at that time I was mentoring directly under the CEO. He had, you know, kind of this formal mentorship program and, and he taught me the, the first rule of sales. What do you guys think the first rule of sales is? This always be closing or something? <laughs> what does Michael Scott say? It's a pretty good one. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. First rule of sales. I think sell to people who have money. That's a good Never one. take no for an answer or something. That's a good one. All right. 
So his first rule of sales, uh, I'll never forget, Doug Reichardt, this mm. amazing, incredible man, the type of person you spend 30 minutes with him, and afterwards you just want to run through a brick wall and right, just work yeah. so hard, right? Just one of those people. And he said, you can't get what you want until they get what they want. Mm. That's good. That is good. And I was not going to guess that either. So. Yeah. And, and the whole premise around that is, is just ask people what they want and then be of service to them. Mm -hmm. And everything in life is on, is on the other side of providing value to others. Um, so that, that mentorship really took me to places I never thought I would go. And so, uh, so I ended up getting connected with some of our business leaders down in the Dallas office. At that time, they were working on this. It was just kind of an idea and project. They had a little bit of revenue. Um, and, uh, and I joined them uh, with the startup. So I was kind of employee number one or two, depending on how you look at it, right? Um, and we, we, the idea was bringing this product to market in the digital health space that would help companies prevent diabetes in populations. As soon as someone goes from, you know, pre-diabetic to diabetic, their healthcare costs go from $2,000 to $20,000. Oh, so employers were really incentivized to, you know, reduce that risk. So we were there to help them do it. Um, so we did that. I, I ended up becoming head of sales. We grew like crazy as, as a digital health company. We brought on some massive companies onto that. I think by the time I left, we had, you know, 500,000 people on the platform or so. And uh, we successfully sold to a private equity uh, at an awesome valuation. Mm -hmm. And at that point, was, uh, as, as we were going through the sales process, was when I was going through my Bitcoin journey and the, and the light bulbs went off. And that's when I realized I need to take my skill set to Bitcoin. I right. really want to work for Bitcoin. Uh, I, don't, I no longer want to work for healthcare. I want to work for the Bitcoin network. Mm. And uh, that's, that's, part of, that's the, the background, I guess, to how I got to Bitcoin. But we can that get cool. more into the Bitcoin yeah, journey no, specifically that, if we'd like. That's really cool. Um, I like hearing people's stories all the time because they're they're different, but there's always kind of this uh, one kind of string of uniformity where it's usually kind of a, a, a realization moment rather than just kind of you know it just being something you developed. And I'm on our producer today. It keeps playing his phone. Fairly loud. He needs to turn it down all the way. Jackson Ballard, please shut the volume off. Thank you. You're doing sir. a great job producing. You're though. doing a great job producing, but the background background soundtrack is not the it's not the best. So we got it off. Cool. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a realization, and it, w it was for me too. It was kind of an intrigue, and then it was kind of a, just a moment where I where I recognized that's what I want to do. And I'm not joking. Turn it off. Not joking. Okay. Um, but uh, mine was more of like a, a longer kind of transition into the realization moment where I played around in Bitcoin and crypto and stuff. And then I, after I finally kind of learned the difference of what Bitcoin is to the other ones, that's when I kind of dove in. But um, so can you talk before we go into AQ Capital? I, I do yeah. want to get into the Bitcoin endowment stuff quite a bit. Um, okay. Do yeah. you mind jumping into that or... Should we go AQ Capital and then let's and then the endowment? Well, let's let's do Bitcoin Journey quick. Okay, all right. Um, and it's not the story is not any different probably than a lot of the other stories. It's like you mm -hmm. first hear about it, then you yeah. completely dismiss it, right? And then you, you especially hear, from a finance background, like yeah, you know. It, that. You know and um, I blame I blame myself 
wrongfully so, but but the individual. So I, I first got introduced to it when it was like five hundred bucks. Mm. So I don't know what the, what was that like two thousand fifteen, two thousand fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it was a it was a co location guy, one of my good friends who did co location of of software data, and he was talking about how these these miners are looking for these coins on the internet, <laughs> and they use a lot of energy and. You know, it costs a lot to find these coins and then a mm. coin gets released once. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? Right. Like people are running around collecting Super Mario coins <laughs> yeah. on the internet yeah. and they, yeah. and they're paying how much for them? 500 bucks. Okay. You'd sound like an idiot. Yeah. Roll the calendar forward. Next time I hear about it is probably 2016, 2017 yeah. when it starts doing the bull run, right? right. ICOs are taking off. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then the next time you hear about it, the price isn't $500, it's $2,000. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of makes you do a head turn, yeah. right? As a finance guy, I've always managed my own assets. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a little bit of this stuff, learn about it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, experience the bull run, the, the escalator up, and then the elevator went down. Yeah. And it's at that point when the elevator goes down that you either do the work or you don't. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I chose to not sell it. I chose to do the work. And, it, and I'm so, so thankful for people mm-hmm. like Tour de Meester with his. Uh, do you guys remember the uh, uh, Bitcoin is in heavy accumulation? No. Oh, it's a fantastic paper. Yeah, I think it was really. like 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the podcasts were coming out at that time. Mm-hmm. Andreas Antonopoulos, um, uh, Anthony Pompliano, of all people, you know, he was mm-hmm. very uh, vocal with his and in, in helped with my conviction. Mm-hmm. And then Safedine, yeah, Safedine's right. book came out, and I read that, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. And that's when I realized. And then the stock to flow model came out, regardless of whether you believe in the validity of it or not. Yeah. I think having a having a fundamental understanding that there is potentially real world value in something that's provably scarce, mm. I think, was another light bulb moment for me. It was kind of the cherry on top of Safedine's book a mm. little bit. Yeah, and uh, it's like this. Yeah, yeah, it's like the the thing that gives you security that reading Bitcoin standard and then knowing like building in that scarcity issue that I agree that for me was kind of like, all right, he's pulling out the use case and then just knowing the scarcity issue. It's like, all right, that makes it a good chance that there's a high probability that like, there's going to be some value in this long term. That's yeah. said, that was for me too. Was, I'm with you, dude. Yeah. 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 Really. And, and I had never, even as a finance guy, you took econ classes and you understand supply and demand, but you, yeah. you know, you, you're not taught like, okay, you can be, you know, a company can dilute shares at any right. moment. You're, I mean, like you're taught that, but you don't, you don't see it until you, you like, you don't understand the dilutive value of, of those other assets until you understand Bitcoin and Bitcoin, literally you can't be diluted. Um, so that was huge. And then that was when I was like, I had that kind of Pierre Richard moment where I'm like, mm-hmm. I got to sell the sh- sell the chairs, so to speak. So my chairs at the time were, you know, my other assets, right? So selling real estate, um, selling the stock in my company. You know, we went through yeah. the sales process and sold to private equity, selling my other equities, quite literally selling some of my chairs, right? Mm-hmm. And in in going into Bitcoin, and I I just remember viscerally, just you know, when the wi- sending wire transfers into you know, Coinbase at the time. Yes, uh, <laughs> I don't use them anymore. Well, but uh, when I could, oh no, I told when I could finally get a deposit to go through from the bank to like a Coinbase or a, a Bitstamp. I was buying stuff on Bitstamp back in like 2016, 2017. Wow. 
It was and pretty sketchy in the early days. Oh my gosh. It dude. felt it's like well, you're like taking a picture of yourself holding your ID and stuff. It just felt <laughs> yeah. real, really freaking weird. I was always like, this doesn't feel right at all. But yeah, the know, number fi- the numbers finally show up right, and your wires right. you're like, you know, landed. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there going, I mean, you guys probably had this moment too. It's like, am I really buying magic internet? Money? I know. And I wasn't even using like cold storage at the time. You know, what I mean? it was like, I'm just leaving it on exchange, like a lot of people totally. do. Yeah. And like I didn't I didn't even think of that stuff. And so looking now, I'm like, gosh, I was an idiot. I was that's an the idiot. normal life cycle of anybody. Though, yeah, right? yeah, it is. And and we shouldn't shy away from that being the reality. Like it, yeah. there's a lot of people like it's almost like they're talking down to people about like cold storage or this. So, like take it off there. Don't be an idiot. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, look, man, there nobody knew when you started this stuff you know there's what I a mean? little bit of a learning curve especially guys like at least me you guys are probably you guys are smarter than me but like i didn't think of that shit at all like not at all i was just kind of like oh buy it and i finally got a transaction through like i'm good it's all right there see ya. and you know you don't even think about like an sbf situation or something like that at least i didn't so yeah i can see how you know that stuff happens to people but also we've the learning that we've done over the last like four or five years as a as like a bigger populace in the bitcoin world is is pretty tremendous so yeah yeah uh, yeah so many dumb things i look back on i'm like golly but I did, buying bitcoin was not one of them buying bitcoin was not one of them <laughs> i did sell a lot of bitcoin because i listened to people that i assumed were smarter than me because sure. like i didn't yeah. come from much money or really kind of any type of financial background whatsoever. And, you know, I got I got done with law school and I started working at Anadarko and I had people, so many people, friends of mine that were like, you're an idiot, stop buying this stuff. It's for criminal activity, it's drug stuff. You're gonna go to jail. And I'm like, am I gonna go to jail? I don't know. I, like, so I sold a lot of it. Now I look back and some of those people ask me, they're like, hey man, so you should sell it. How much Bitcoin do you got? You're rich, right? I'm like, no, I sold it because of you. you know? <laughs> really frustrating but <laughs> and i and i was in you know me being the finance guy and reading about the psychology yeah. of investing and all that i was kind of on the i was always straddling two worlds of trying not to listen to the people right. who, who were saying that which was mainstream media which was <sighs> warren buffett which was charlie Munger, which is jamie you know people i like and respect and people mm-hmm. that really helped shape a lot of my core investment thesis you know right. frameworks for how i choose what assets to buy and choose what assets not to buy. Mm-hmm. And, and then I, and so I'm straddling this world, like trying not to listen to them, but then I'm also going, holy crap. Right. These are the incumbents who clearly are threatened or they don't understand it. Both of those things mean this thing is undervalued. Right. Right. That's a good point too. And so that was really where I'm like, you know, I felt like every time I was buying Bitcoin and sending wires into Coinbase, I felt like I felt sick to my stomach. Mm. And it's almost in those moments when you hear some investors talk about this, where it's like, if you're not a little sick to your stomach, then it's probably not a good, you know, investment Mm. idea. Yeah. Um, So, so that, so that was there, you know, Bitcoin did its thing. Uh, we sold our company successfully to a private equity, um, you know, love those guys, put in, you know, signed a transition services agreement, you know, gently stepped away once the team was in place to help grow, grow and scale. And they're doing wonderfully now that the company's literally called Wonder Health. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so that so it was at that time I launched AQ Capital mm. um, and I launched AQ Capital under the thesis that. One, uh, if Bitcoin does what I think it's going to do, 
there's going to be more and more Bitcoin millionaires minted every single day, and they're going to need help. And they're going to need help from people who have been there, done that, you know, got the T-shirt, skinned their knees, made mistakes, did all that. But then, but then AQ Capital was more formed actually around um, how I eventually led into the Bitcoin endowment, which was you, you almost come to Bitcoin first with a, what can Bitcoin do for me? Right. Whether it's inflation resistance, whether it's getting wealthy and selling it for a Tesla, you know, like mm. I think that was like my first like 2016 yeah. moment. I was like, oh, I'm going to, you know, flip this and buy a Tesla, <laughs> yeah, whatever. You know, you're just being, I was being yeah. a knucklehead. Yeah. Um, uh, get well, inflation resistance. Mm. Oh, it's, it's part of a broader portfolio. Um, um, you know, there's all kinds of use cases, as we know, for, for Bitcoin and what Bitcoin can do for me, right? That's how we come to it. Ask not what Bitcoin can yeah. do for you, but what you can do for Bitcoin. That's right. <laughs> well said, Jake. <laughs> Thanks, JFK. Yeah. That should be the opener that to your podcast right there. That's it. Yeah, that's a great one. But seriously, though, yeah. once you get involved and you realize, wait a minute, the incentives are aligned for me to add value and to do something for Bitcoin. And whether that's getting other people involved or whether that's sending energy into the network as a miner, whether that's running a node, whether that's simply hodling, I mean, that's doing something for Bitcoin. It is, right? You're setting the floor of supply, right? Um, but I started asking myself those questions. I know I wanna work in Bitcoin. I know I wanna work for Bitcoin. What can I do for Bitcoin? What can I do for Bitcoin? And if you go around and around and around on that circle and ask yourself that question enough, you eventually land on, you know, what you can do for Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And so two years later, launching the Bitcoin Endowment, um, and uh, which is a nonprofit in the Bitcoin space. And that's what I'm here to do for Bitcoin. Well, and so tell us about that a little bit more. Like, what is the Bitcoin Endowment? How does it fit in with like miners? And kind of just tell us a little bit about it, because it is I, I love it. I think it's I think it's a great thing. Yeah. So um there's a couple key moments that really inspired this. Um, I'm going to point out two. One is from Eric Weinstein on Robert Breedlove's podcast. Have you guys seen that mm. series? If you haven't watched that series, I find him to be one of the deepest, best thinkers in Bitcoin. Um, Robert himself, mm. of course, but then also Eric. Um, Who's, whose podcast is it? On Robert Breedlove's podcast, Robert, okay. the What Is Money bot, uh, yeah, podcast. Right. Yep. And um, so Eric, Eric was on there coming, coming to Bitcoin and coming to Robert very much as a skeptic first and in skeptical because what Eric was observing was, okay, Bitcoiners, you win. You think you won. And now that I've done the work, I realize that, okay, you're winning and, and maybe you've actually won. Maybe this, you know, path dependence, it's on mm -hmm. the path. It's going to do its thing. It's reached critical mass, it's reached network effect, escape velocity, all the buzzwords, right? What now? What are you going to do about it? You going to buy Lambos? Right. You going to retire? You going to live in a mansion by the beach? What are you going to do about it? When you guys, okay, so you believe in sound money, you believe in low time preference, you believe in truth, you believe in freedom, you believe in individual sovereignty, you believe in fairness, you believe in quality. You believe in all these things and you represent that by buying this asset that makes you wealthy beyond your imagination. Okay, I'll admit, you guys are, maybe you're the big boys at the table or you will be in the future. What are you gonna do about it? 
Because so far, these are Eric's words, or were his words. I don't know if they still are. He said, because so far, what I'm observing, I haven't observed much from you guys. Mm. So that was like a holy shit moment in that regard. Mm. Like, he's right. He's right. We believe this thing is good. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's yeah. doing good for me. But what am I, what am I doing with it? Right. So you mm-hmm. start to think about, you know, think low time preference, like legacy, doing good, you know, giving back. Right. Some of those words come in. So take Eric Weinstein, put that aside for a moment. We'll come back to that. And then there was another series. It happens to be on Robert's podcast as well. I listen to a lot of Robert. I listen to a lot of people. Uh, I feel like I'm crawling on the shoulder of giants anytime I talk about Bitcoin. They're not original thoughts from Austin. He's only, he's only listened to our show twice, though. He's, uh, he's kind of, kind of messed up. Like I it. said, crawling on the shoulder of giants. First time caller, long time listener. Uh, but. You know, I find, though, the guys who were true skeptics that have converted, they're usually, like, the best advocates because there's mm-hmm. been an actual process to their, like, learning curve and to where they had questions that they went in that were likely educated and very fair questions that you need to get answered. They got those answers. They did the analysis and, like, come to that conclusion. It makes them a lot more prominent or powerful advocates for the 100%. whole space. And that, what you said he was talking about with uh, Lambos and all that, you know, I I think both of us, that's part of what we wanted to do even this show is about is just kind of dispel the narrative that has been kind of painted around it. And that's some of it's the community's own fault, buying Lambos right. and all this kind of crap. It's like, look, dude. That, Have fun staying poor. Right, you know, yeah. You, you come right. across as a douchebag when you do that. And it's <laughs> not something that anybody from an institutional level wants to be a part of. And it just yeah. looks ridiculous. So... Like, I'm glad if somebody wants to buy, can afford to buy a Lambo from their Bitcoin or, or you know, accumulation. Good. I got a lot more things that I'd rather do with it than drive a Lambo around. And that's where, why I think what you're doing is awesome. So carry on. My bad. No, no. I love, I mean, yeah, it's it's just me rambling over here. So jump in and keep me on track. I I, I love it. So I want, yeah, keep going. So, so that was a, that was a, um, that was a wake up moment for me with AQ Capital with him saying that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I always knew I wanted to launch a nonprofit just as a personal goal of mine that's gone back years and years and years. And, and then some of that is also, you know, just observing with some of the giving I've done in the past, um, like a moment stands out to me. Uh, so I mentioned my grandmother earlier and her values and she passed away in, in 2022, um, 90 plus years old. Just mm-hmm. you meet... There's not a single person who met this woman who didn't feel like she was their best friend. I mean, that was just the type of impact she had on people. And as she was nearing, you know, um, towards the end of her life, I had the chance to sit down with her and I asked her, can just kind of like, you know, as a young man, you're hopefully you're asking your elders, like, Mm -hmm. what the hell is this all about? Like, what do you think? Like, why am I here? (laughs) What, you know, what is this? And her advice was just, just be a good person. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> really not that much harder yeah. than that. Just be a good person. And that really stuck with me. And so when Eric said that, and then and then and then I pieced that together with a previous pod that Robert had with the Michael Saylor series, which is probably 50 hours of some of the best content that I think I've ever, you know, heard he's, or he's read in my so, life. He's so articulate mm. with <sighs> everything. He's able to take these very complex Right. concepts and explain it like you're 10 years old that's right anybody can understand it 
That's right. And so we now have mm. like, like these sayings that came from, you know, now Michael, where yeah. we say, oh, Bitcoin is energy. Bitcoin is mm. economic energy. Bitcoin is hope. And it's like, okay, that's a bit esoteric, but why? Right. You know, and yeah, I have yeah. a hard time explaining some of the why, you know, I was like, well, I just listen to Michael. <laughs> yeah, just, just <laughs> ask him. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but Michael had this segment where he was talking about, you know, the promise of Bitcoin and the values of Bitcoin and, and what is it at, at its core? And it, the promise of Bitcoin is, in some respects, being able to store your life's energy forever without someone debasing it, without someone confiscating it, without someone um, you know, devaluing that, without energy loss. You can perpetuate your energy into the future. So in some respects, Bitcoin is it's like... It's an elixir. It's immortal life. It's the promise of immortal life, which sounds, you start using words like that and it sounds like very religious almost. Mm -hmm. And so he unpacked in this segment, it's episode seven for, for the listeners at home, um, where mom, mom write it down. So where, <laughs> episode seven, <laughs> episode seven. minute, like 50. Mm. Um, I have the wine scene segment too, if you guys need that, <laughs> um, where, where he basically was talking about all of us as individuals, as humans, should have core values, should have our own values, and you should align your values with your life's work, with your passion, and you should also align yourself with others who share in your values. That makes life much more fulfilling, much happier, more productive, et cetera. And hopefully those values are good. And, uh, and what Michael talked about is the promise of Bitcoin as this long duration asset that you can send energy and value into the future without loss is... Imagine endowing Bitcoin today in the present towards a cause that you love and towards something that sends your values into the future. So and this is what he talked about. He's like, so if you want to endow a park that serves ice cream on Saturdays forever, endow it with some Bitcoin, peel a little bit of principle off each year towards that mission, and, it, and you can effectively have that park serving ice cream forever mm. in your memory and those two things is what inspired what we launched with the bitcoin endowment so what we've done here is we've aligned incentives in a way for bitcoiners to really put facta non verba deeds not words let's quit talking about how good bitcoin is and go round and round the drain let's show people how good bitcoin is because Bitcoin does not have a, 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 a concerted effort of giving back right. in doing good. Um, so we've launched the endowment that, gives, that uh, allows us to do kind of three specific things. An individual, and it's going to be a Bitcoiner because that's who we're catering to, can endow any asset to us wants. So it's jewelry, could be Apple stock, could be real estate, could be a private business interest, could be a public business interest, could be hash rate, which we'll get into in a moment, could be cash, could be Bitcoin, could be one of those other coins. Mm -hmm. You endow that asset tax efficiently. We'll tell you how to do it tax efficiently, even though we don't give investment advice, we don't give tax advice, we don't give legal advice. Good plug. I don't do any of those things. Well, well covered. Thank you, attorneys. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> um, you can endow any asset. We'll help you do that tax efficiently. As soon as that asset comes into the endowment, we're going to liquidate it and sell it for Bitcoin. So that irrevocable donation's made. 
The Bitcoin is then in the treasury compounding. It's in a two of three multi-sig, so you'll have one of the keys, so you'll be able to see your Bitcoin at all times. And then, and then you choose a charity of your choice and a Bitcoin nonprofit of your choice that you want us to fund in perpetuity forever. So we'll just peel off a little bit of principle to a charity of your choice in perpetuity forever. So if you want to send some to you know, Odell and the OpenSats guys to fund core developers and free and open source software, great. But then also tell us another 501c3 or charity that you want us to go orange pill. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. See, that, that, that's an aspect to, to that probably is just as important as getting some of these other groups to understand. That, that's a way of orange pilling a big segment of the population that really is going to touch a lot of people. And that's what's going to drive adoption. So I love it. Talk about the mining aspect of it, because this is really where I think it could really come into play for a, a, yeah. a lot of mining groups out there in particular with the dedication of the hash rate stuff. Yeah, because to your last point, there's a little over $10 trillion in assets under management mm -hmm. for 501c3s around the country. Yeah, that's crazy. So who's, it's 10 trillion? 10 over trillion. 10 trillion. So there's 10 trillion in nonprofits in the US? 10 trillion dollars in, dollars in, on, in the right, on their balance sheets. Today. That's like when you say that number, that's that's a lot, man. That's uh, that's like what eight Saudi Aramco's, <laughs> yeah, something like that. And it's private foundations, it's it's other things, it's the Rockefeller Institute, it's you know, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, mm. it's those other things, but yeah, 10 trillion. So, you know, kind of our one of our core values of what we want to do is we want to we want to come with Bitcoin in hand, mm -hmm. coming from Bitcoiners. Say, hey, we got to teach you how to accept Bitcoin. We also want to teach you how, to, how it should be the last asset on your balance sheet that mm -hmm. you sell to fund your operations. Mm -hmm. We want to orange pill the 10 trillion of 501c3. Um, so for miners, this is, this is like, I, I love this aspect of it. I do too. That's why I want to have you on here, man. <laughs> that and we love you, Austin. So <laughs> those two things combined, yeah. So a uh, lot to unpack here, but... Um, so first and foremost, the, the promise of Bitcoin, Bitcoin will never, one Bitcoin does not equal one Bitcoin 100 years from now mm. if the miners aren't doing their job. So if there's anybody incentivized to, to, to ossify this social layer of Bitcoin, of Bitcoin being good and the rest of the world adopting Bitcoin, if there's any one group of people who is incentivized to do this, it's the miners and the nodes. Mm. The nodes just don't really have much economic energy behind them. The miners do. So, so, uh, so how do you incentivize miners to have an ethos of giving is, is the question that I was looking to tackle and that we were looking to tackle. So it comes to tax efficiency. Um, if you want to donate some cash, it's not really that tax efficient. Mm. If you're a miner and you, you work your butt off to get as much hash rate online to earn Bitcoin, Actually, donating Bitcoin with the new updates to the IRS regs is not very tax efficient as well. Mm. It's kind of brutal. Over $5,000. If you want to donate over $5,000 worth of Bitcoin, again, this is not tax advice. Um, you have to get a fair market valuation from an independent accountant and appraiser. Really? Because you can't donate it and write it off at a fair market value of what the price is today. Really? It's a combination of the cost basis, how long you've been holding it. And that probably does not factor in like future appreciation of anything. Yeah. 
And if you want to donate Apple stock today or public mm-hmm. securities, you can do it at fair market value, what the price right. traded so at yesterday. Yeah. So it's it's like they're treating again. It's just another example of them treating Bitcoin very differently mm-hmm. than than everything else. Mm-hmm. So miners donating cash isn't tax efficient. Donating Bitcoin is not tax efficient. Donating ASICs is not tax efficient. What you're going to donate? Value it. Yeah. You're going to donate yeah. to us an old ASIC. Okay, mm-hmm. great. It's an old ASIC that you don't want for a reason. Right. It's because yeah. okay, if I've got to plug it in as a nonprofit, yeah. even if I'm tax exempt. Mm-hmm. I'm- <laughs> Yeah. Like, good luck keeping up, you know, with the cost basis of Ryan <laughs> mm-hmm. and the others, right? Mm-hmm. So that's not that's not tax efficient for them. It's not efficient for us. So no one wins there. Um, so what we've come up with is a way to value hash rate. And this is the most tax. We whipped the pencil on this for over 12 months. And we've come up with a novel way of, of valuing hash rate that makes it um, incredibly tax efficient for the miners. And as a miner, the, the calculus, kind of coming back to the AQ Capital stuff on this, the calculus that they'll do in their mind is if you're a miner, um, you, I mean, let me ask you guys this. <laughs> what percentage of the mining market calls their, their, mining, uh, their mining business a project versus a business? Hmm. What percentage of the mining world calls it a project versus a business? I'd say probably the majority. Most of them call it a project? Yeah, this is my guess. Why is that? Because I don't know what everyone thinks of the lifespan on it. I would call it, like, that was our company. You know what I mean? Like, we were a mining company at Jay. Um, But I feel like there's a short lifespan on, on a lot of the stuff. And so they might have a business, but they're calling it a project. You know what I mean? That at least that's my guess. It's been right in front of us. This entire, I'd never thought about this, but you're, you're absolutely right. What is, so what's the, what's the answer? Well, most of them call it a project mm. because of the capital intensity of the business. Mm. Yeah. They're like, okay, I'm going to go out and raise a bunch this of money. This is our project over here. You know, this, we just secured it some cheap right. energy somewhere. We've got yeah. this angle or that mm-hmm. angle, right? Where it's attached to a solar farm. It's attached to, you know, mm-hmm. cheap grid contract yeah. or it's behind the meter. You know, all the things that you guys know much better right. than I, even though I invest in miners. But um, they call it a project because it's like, okay, we're going to raise the money. We're going to buy a bunch of ASICs. We're going to mm-hmm. plug them in. These ASICs depreciate like heck. Right. And whether it's two years down the road or four years down the road, at some point, these things are just a hunk of metal because mm-hmm. they're not profitable. And it's time to buy more. So yeah. fold the project, distribute everything to shareholders. Let's raise more money. It's not a going concern business. Right. Uh, the capital intensity of business, the asset turnover is a struggle. So mm. it's like your, your only options are if you're a miner who's two years down the road, three years down the road, four years down the road is what? Salvage the ASICs. Yeah. You can run them at a loss, which doesn't sound yeah. like a great business yeah. to me, you know, so that. Pretty soon you're just unplugging at that point. Yeah. Or you can, you know, you have the more sophisticated models where you can run older ASICs at a loss and pair them with some other productive asset so you can paddle back and forth, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Riot's a great example. They got those, you know, massive fleet of S17s that are cranking away. They curtail, they get the curtailment revenue. You guys know all that mm-hmm. stuff a lot mm-hmm. better than I can describe it, right? Yeah. Besides those three options, what 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 options are there? There's not a lot. Is that it? That's basically it. And I've heard of a firm now that's recycling the ASICs mm. potentially, so you could break down the ASICs and sell sell them for parts more so than you could uh, just like 
the I dollar per ton. Yeah. 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 Who is it? Do you, you know? I'm, I can't recall the name. Yeah. I can't recall the name. That would make sense. It's, it's kind of the same, the same business as if you strip down a car for parts, used car. You make significantly more on a parts basis than you do as a whole thing. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that it makes sense. I, I've thought about like, I, whenever I'm doing economics for groups that come in, like salvage value is a big portion of it because that goes back to the whole project versus company deal um, or versus, yeah, whatever, however you phrase yeah. it. Um, it's such a short lifespan of those assets that the salvage value actually is a big part of the the valuation you do on the the whole thing but it's unpredictable too like if you exit in during a bear market when we're down in fifteen thousand dollars and try to get your salvage value it's like you're getting peanuts but that's also why i think buying now or during a bear market building your company and then selling when things are crazy is like actually probably the best like go dump your machines after you've ran them for two years during a bear market and you know, Do you so, think that's the optimal? I was that was giving my question. I've like the optimal time is like if you would buy the most top of the line machines, mm -hmm. run them for two years, immediately dump them, swap them, get new ones, and just stay yeah. on a pretty much a two year schedule, depending on like where the market's at. I, Maybe I've, even a shorter horizon, possibly. Right, and staying away from trying to get all new greenfield stuff, right, yeah. and having to build up. Like I almost think keep find a awesome base asset that you have cheap power long term. Build a nice company, run them. Mm -hmm. Don't go and buy your next site and try to grow through a greenfield site where you're having to load up on all this new capital. Because like the bear, bear and bull markets are so short in this. You know what I mean? It's a very condensed timeline. Of, like oil, you can have a long bear market yeah. or long bull market. Bitcoin's like that, except it's like condensed into this small four-year cycle, usually around there. Um, but uh, yeah, I like. I think going and just building assets, your same core asset that you know is a good power price. You got a good PPA. You got good solid understanding on kind of how the power markets work, and build through the new machines that come online. Like sell every two years, build a new. You know, grow your hash rate on your current asset that you have. That's kind of the, as I've thought about it over the past two three years. Like that makes more and more sense to me. I don't want to take it away from the direction no. you are, but the, I, I get your your comment about like this is a project versus a company. It, it, that is that is pro that is probably very much the common thing among amongst all the miners out there. I mean, I I agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, as I um, so AQ Capital, we invest in miners as an LP, right? Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of mining proposals that come across my desk, and mm -hmm. I have my own underwriting criteria I apply to them, right? Mm -hmm. And treasury management is like one of my top three uh, underwriting questions. What's your treasury management strategy? Mm -hmm. And I think ASICs are a capital asset that's part of the treasury management, oh, yeah. right? So right. it's mm -hmm. like. How are you thinking about when you're selling ASICs versus when you're selling Bitcoin versus when you're selling, mm. um, you know, holding Bitcoin, right? right? Or, and in some of that, so I'm, I'm with you guys, mm. and and so if you're if you're a going concern, if you want to if you want to be a business, if you want to be a miner, you uh, that survives and advances, right. if you will, right? In this ruthless difficulty adjustment tournament of no just, hedging. Except for Luxor, who came on the last one. They're working on that, the, the hash rate market. But it's brutal. I mean, you're is. just looking for ways to survive. You're looking for ways to pull future hash rate forward to the present faster than the other guy. And so, um, 
you know, what we've come up with here is a fourth option to what we talked about mm -hmm. versus salvaging, running at a loss or pairing it with a productive asset. And that's simply redirecting your hash rate and being able to deduct it from your adjusted gross income. And so when I say redirecting your hash rate, what I actually mean is endowing your hash rate. Mm. So this is where we came up with the Bitcoin endowment. So the Bitcoin endowment is a private operating foundation. It's a 501c3. We, we uh, help, help you with a, a fair market valuation framework of a hash rate that we're going to be publishing in the peer-reviewed literature. It allows you to redirect your hash rate and just point it to the endowment. That's all we're asking you to do. We're not asking you to do anything except redirect a portion of your hash rate, 1%, 2%, 3%, 10%, whatever it is. You get that immediate tax deduction of the value of that hash rate. By the way, that tax deduction, this, this is not tax advice. Yeah. That tax deduction, um, what's the dollar per, what's like the dollar per terahash capex right now for new ASICs? Uh, probably at like 25 bucks. Has it really gone up that high? Dang. I mean, you, you still find them cheaper than that, but yeah. if you're wanting to go buy, like a retail person wanting to go buy something, you're probably going to be paying around there. And it depends on machine too, but yeah, I'd yep. say like 25 bucks, especially for like the a little bit newer machine. So you can still find some used ones around 15 bucks, maybe even a little bit less than that, but you want to buy something new. It's yeah. 20, 25. Yeah. It's went up quite a I mean, we've, we've seen what 75% price appreciation this year. And yep. so, yeah, it, from the lows, it's, yeah, you're probably around that. So I'm not, I'm being even the most conservative accountant who looks at mm -hmm. this fair market valuation framework. I'll just go ahead and say it's higher than $25 a terahash of what you can right. deduct from your tax savings. You know, I know what it dollars. is, but I'm not going to put it out. I'm going to let him talk as much as he feel comfortable <laughs> doing it. But it is well worth it. It's from from a standpoint of the value you're getting on that deduction. It's yep. remarkable. I was I was shocked, and uh, I I I feel like and tell me if you don't want to say this. Dude, but you're like, fine. Go for it. I felt like like he was talking to me about it the other day again. We had talked. I don't know, oh, well, at the last Bitcoin conference, we were talking about it in Miami. Um, and where it's at now, I'm like, man, that is, that is some serious value that, that, you know, from an economic standpoint, uh, for the miners that they, I think that if it fits their profile, it's as good an opportunity for them to, in a way hedge, it's kind of like a hedge and that you're getting a value assigned to a future hash rate, you know what I mean? Instead of. You know, because that value could be a lot less in the future, you know, than what they're getting when they dedicate that hash rate to the endowment. Yeah. Um, and so from a tax perspective, it's like, man, I could see every group wanting to try to take advantage of this because it's it's very, very. It's a lot higher on a lock in basis than what I would prefer to take the risk with. You know what I mean? Let me ask the dumb question of um, there is what, no dumb question in what this is the current tax structure for for miners? Um, what do you mean? Like uh, how much are they getting taxed? Oh, dude, it's the way the IRS taxes Bitcoin is ridiculous right now. Like you're getting you get taxed as ordinary income. And Austin, you may know if there's been any changes. To, to, is this still taxes tax property as well? And so yeah, they tax it as an ordinary income, right? So oh. when I when I mine and I get I create coins and I get paid from the from Foundry or Lux or whoever. Um, that is the value of that Bitcoin at that time. That counts as ordinary income. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that counts as ordinary income. 
So like I got to pay taxes based on that. If I go and sell it later on, say a week later, or even that night, that night from the time I get paid it to where I sell it, say it went up 10%. That difference is also going to be taxed as a capital gain or capital loss, whatever it may be. Um, so to me, they're, they're hitting it from both angles. It's not really, it's not accurate to me. You can't do them both. I don't see how you can tax it as the day I get paid that coin that counts as ordinary income. And then you're also taxing me when I sell it as some type of capital event. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. And so I think it's going to change. I know there was a case with the IRS where they, um, a guy had brought a case against them and they were trying to settle it. The IRS was, and he had refused to settle it because he wanted it to kind of go through. Yeah. Um, but basically it was on that same thing. I think it was POS. I think they were doing it. was, it? yeah, but, but the, the whole thesis was kind of the same of like, you can't tax me here and tax me there. It does. It's one or the other. You can't do both. And so it's, it's like mining gold. When I mine gold, I don't get taxed when I'm putting that gold into my storehouse. Right. Wherever they wherever they store it, you get taxed when you monetize it, and so it's the same with Bitcoin to me. Is how can you how can you tax them both ways? It's mm-hmm. I haven't. Is it a currency? It, are you saying when I get paid with Bitcoin from from Foundry or Luxor that that it, that's a taxable event? Okay, fine, fine if that's the case. But then when I sell it, I shouldn't be getting taxed on that as well. I've already paid my tax on those on that revenue that that I made. So I, I think they're going to, there's going to be some resolution to it, but that's currently how they do mm. it. Okay. And then some miners, Jake, in some jurisdictions, they'll get taxed on the energy that they buy. Right. So they get taxed on the energy they buy and they get taxed on the income when they mine it and they get taxed when they sell their Bitcoin. Mm. And so if you're, I mean, from the federal level, you can write off your OPEX. So like, I, like anything yep. I'm buying, but, but yeah, depending on where you're at, yeah, different criteria. Yeah. This is like a crazy wild thing and I haven't thought through it, so it may not make sense. But sure. just kind of uh, knowing a little bit about the insurance space and then your background in the insurance space, is there a way to like, I don't know, merge the two? Because there's a lot of like insurance products where it's like, it's very, very tax efficient for an individual, which essentially like, particularly like whole life insurance, right? But it can almost turn into like a, tax-free bank account that you can kind of play with is there any way that you can like mesh those two between the bitcoin mining world and like the insurance world gosh i don't i don't know the answer to that question that's beyond my pay grade um <laughs> if anybody has any cool thoughts about that I don't, or maybe i'm just retarded i mean i mean uh, it, it but, sounds a lot like you know peter teal park and his facebook shares in a roth ira yeah yeah right it exactly sounds like, like like you know park a mining business yeah, inside yeah, of a yeah, Roth yeah, IRA. Yeah, is, there, is there some sort of like wrapper you can put <laughs> or, on this to or have when better tax treatment or when el salvador launches their you know zero percent income tax on technology but, just hang a shingle down <laughs> in el salvador yeah. and mine you right, know, right, at zero percent yeah. tax <laughs> man that's awesome <laughs> that's not yeah. tax advice either <laughs> I'm still waiting for one of those proposals to come across my desk. I'm so if there's any miner out there who wants to do that, come Let's do talk it. to come me. Come talk to Austin. He, he'll, he'll, he'll give it a shot, man. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I mean, yeah. So, so miners, miners are the ones incentivized to secure the network. Mm-hmm. Miners are the ones who are incentivized to make sure Bitcoin is perceived as good for the rest of the world as a common good, as a public good, especially with all the FUD. I mean, they right. get miners. I don't need to say it to this audience. You guys, you guys get it. And then, and then this strategy is a way to just take a portion of your hash rate, redirect it to the endowment. The endowment's going to store that in Bitcoin. 
We're going to give to charities of your choice in perpetuity forever. That's our goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a legal term because forever is a long time, but you know, and they get to choose and they get to choose, right? okay. they get to choose. And then they take that immediate tax deduction. And then again, this is not tax or legal advice, but if you look at what you can deduct, if you, if you're a minor who has, who is planning to have a, a positive adjusted gross income and if your ASICs are on year two, three, or four, so you've already kind of bonus mm-hmm. depreciated them yeah. and most of the depreciation, you're looking at a big fat tax bill potentially. Right. And with the trends with the ordinals, you can see what the fees are. Yeah, now, they're going the transaction up fees. quite a bit. It's like 17% this morning mm-hmm. when I looked at it. Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's a lot. So, you know, I suspect miners are going to be profitable this year. Mm-hmm. They weren't last year, but I think on the margin mm-hmm. they are. And you take that, de- you redirect the hash rate, you take that deduction. And if you plow those tax savings into more ASICs, for an LLC, this becomes a really significant value driver of enterprise value. Can you tell them, do you mind sharing what on a per tear hash basis it's coming out to? The- if you, you don't have to, man. I know there's some proprietary stuff in here, so I don't want to give away the secret sauce, but. I, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and say, if you're an LLC, give us a call. Right, okay. If you're a C-Corp, it's going to be more of a like-for-like swap from an mm-hmm. ROI perspective mm-hmm. on the tax efficiency of this. Right. But you get the benefit. But you of, get the benefit of doing good right. and endowing Bitcoin forever towards a, your core values of what you value as yeah. a person, as a company. And helping combat the douchebag Lambo driving Bitcoiner, which That's they right. try to paint everybody at. Like, it sounds dumb, but that is literally what I feel like big media does to try to embarrass the industry almost or, or like delegitimize it is yeah. paint everybody as these freaking bros that are just wanting to drive lambos if i buy a lambo are you guys gonna hate me because I'm, I'm, I'm a car guy like i do love <laughs> i agree with everything you're saying but i like i'm a car guy like i do love Lambos. it's different jake because i, I do know agree. you're a car guy so but i do totally agree different. like the whole like yeah it just makes the whole industry look if you it get looks a- childish and flashy <laughs> Right, and it like, yeah. sends the totally right. wrong message right. to the people brought. But, it's an attempt. But to- if I buy a Lambo, like, will you guys hate me? You're like, what? No, nah, man. And I'll ride in it with you <laughs> okay, as long cool. as it's not orange and you're wearing blades or something. Right, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, as long as you're wearing your skinny jeans. Yeah, if I'm wearing my skinny jeans <laughs> and you got the blades on, you know what douchebags we're gonna look like? <laughs> we're gonna roll up to Uchi together. We love Uchi. Still want to sponsor? Shout out to Uchi. Yeah. So, but yeah, I'm like, I think it's. Yeah, carry well, on. L- I jumped the in LLCs there. are gonna love it. Right. I mean, if you're right. if you're a private LLC, like this is it's it's a great strategy. Right. If you're a if you're a C Corp, you're gonna get a boost in your enterprise value because your fleet's gonna get a y- little younger. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're gonna be pulling forward a little future hash mm-hmm. rate, mm-hmm. pulling that forward. Your fleet's gonna get a little younger. Um, but but most importantly, to to your point. Fact and non-verba, deeds, not words. Mm. We can combat the New York Times FUD articles with, with everything we want to say and tell politicians and all that. Um, or we can pool our fists as a Bitcoin brand. And I don't know about you guys, but I believe Bitcoin 10 years from now will come to be known as, a, uh, as being synonymous with trust, the word trust. Mm. Yeah. The Bitcoin brand is going to be the most trusted brand in the world. And I want to I want to make it, the, the best brand in the world in terms of good, the word good. Bitcoin is good. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're a public miner and you spend a lot of jo- time you know, trying to combat the ESG narrative or, or participate in the ESG narrative by having renewables and different things, why not also redirect a percentage of your hash rate 
to perpetuate values that are important to you right. in perpetuity into the future. And just to give you guys a sense on this of scale of what's possible for Bitcoin miners, if we can direct 2% of the hash rate to the endowment over the next 10 years, and just assuming Bitcoin does a very conservative of what it's done in the past, let's say a 20% CAGR over the next 10 years, let's even call it a 15% compound annual growth rate over the next 10 years. 2% of the hash rate annually, and by the year 2040, Bitcoin as a brand will have an institution of giving larger than the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. It's How massive. sick is that? That's when he told me the other day, I was like, that's a big deal. That's a really big deal. That is a big deal. So this is about, this is less about tax efficiency. Mm -hmm. And this is more about Bitcoin is good, doing good. Let's do good with deeds, not words. And let's fund core developers. Let's fund Bitcoin educators. Mm -hmm. Let's fund all the Bitcoin nonprofits. But then let's also orange pill the heck out of mm -hmm. all the other nonprofits in the world who need Bitcoin on their balance sheet. You know, I, where I think this would also work is um, with like combining it with an orphan well kind mm. of program in mm. states, oil and gas states, ideally, obviously. Um, and making it something that producers can basically dedicate, you know, these assets to Bitcoin miners. A portion of that gets dedicated to the endowment and um they we could even probably tie in some carbon credit stuff with that mm -hmm. so i think there's there's a lot of ways that you probably thought of everything awesome but there's no, a I lot of not. ways where some of this stuff can kind of bleed into other industries even beyond just mining like that that literally just came to mind like we were talking about ryan and i were talking about putting together a fund for the state of wyoming where basically we go in as a mining entity and want to take over wells that are not economic anymore from a production standpoint or on the idle well list yep. orphan well list. Yep. And this is one where, and we want to set up a little, we were calling a PNA or reclamation fund and you dedicate, you know, hash rate or, or your reserves. If you're an oil and gas company that are left in those mm -hmm. wells to this fund. And you like, we take like 1% of the mining rewards and, and put it into like a state run fund. This is something that the state wouldn't have to worry about it because a lot of them are still like, well, we don't know what to do with Bitcoin. Work with Bitcoin endowment, kind of tie those together and let it be something where you guys are kind of working with charities and reaping the benefit. Oil and gas companies reap the benefit of maybe carbon credits for giving up reserves and, you know, kind of win-win for everybody. That, there's a lot of ways, though, when you kind of have a nonprofit that you can combine that has like a moral, morally positive kind of uh, proposition and tying that into like economic situations that benefit companies is always a good thing. So I think it's dope, dude. I, mean, I, I appreciate that, yeah. man. I mean, we just, we want to be, we want to make it easy to endow mm -hmm. any asset. Right. So like I think about mineral rights, mm -hmm. you know, you could do a fair market valuation of mineral mm -hmm. rights. Right. We convert that into Bitcoin that, mm -hmm. you know, per perpetuates, we fund, you know, so it's, it's I, I am, Convinced more than ever that being involved in this mm -hmm. industry is an investment in human ingenuity. And yeah. I am, con we're just here to be the vehicle right. to help you endow right. any asset and turn that into Bitcoin giving forever. Mm. And so, hey, you come up with the strategies. We'll just help you. We'll just help you fulfill it. I just think it's great because it's a way of taking away. Like, even, even, we saw it like during the trucker stuff, you know, when you were trying to dedicate, like, when they shut down basically the ability to 
donate money through different various groups to the trucker cause up in Canada. This is another one where it's like, man, this Bitcoin endowment's kind of outside of all that stuff. Like you don't have the same kind of obligations and requirements that uh, some of these other fundraising groups do, but you can, they could go through you guys, dedicate to whatever charity they want, right? Just has to be and, a 501c3. Right. It has to be a 501c3. It can't be a C4, which is okay. more of a political organization. Right, right. 501c3. Yeah. Any 501c3. So if you're a Bitcoiner as well, mm-hmm. come up with a 501c3 that you, right. you know, feel strongly about it. Right. Yeah. No, get on there's our a list, lot of good right? ones out there. You know what I mean? That's there's right. a lot of good ones Absolutely. out there. Absolutely. So are you guys on like a road show right now? So it's kinda, funny, Jake, you'll get a kick out of this. I, so I, I kind of solicited Justin for private comment. I was like, uh-huh. hey, this is what I've been working on. I'm, I'm getting some private comment from Bitcoiners. And now it's quickly become public comment, yeah. right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, man. So we have not started the roadshow. We have not. This has been just kind of sniper onesie twosies. Um, but as I've had, call it 10 conversations with you mm-hmm. know some Bitcoiners that I really trust, like, and respect. And I wanted to make sure. Did just, I make that list? I made, made the list, man. list. I'm happy you made the you list. You made the list. You made the list. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know why. I don't know why, why, but I made the list. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Jake. Your words, not mine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I wanted to make sure. I mean, this is, make no mistake about it. This is a service built by Bitcoiners for Bitcoiners in service to Bitcoin. So I went about kind of just collecting private comment to make sure this had Bitcoin fingerprints Mm -hmm. all over this, right? And, uh, with those conversations, with the 10 conversations, it turned into three clients already. That's awesome. Uh, so it's pretty good uh, conversion rate. What's that? It's pretty good conversion rate. That is really good <laughs> conversion rate. That's true. Uh, we don't expect that conversion rate going forward. Um, maybe we do. I don't know. I, but, um, if it fits the economic profile for that company, I don't see why they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Like it doesn't make sense to not do it. I know what number he's getting on there. I wish he could say it because it's, it's, Give them a call. I'd encourage everybody to give them a call because it's like, had we known something like that was available when we were running Jay, we definitely would have taken advantage of it. Would you have it. changed your strategy if you knew that tool, this tool was Yeah, available? I mean, we obviously would want to probably bring in our accountants to kind of see right. what's the problem. Because, you know, there's got to be like an optimal area For right, sure. of dedication yep. of hash rate. So you would obviously would have to look at that with like a tax strategy in mind and accounting help. But yeah, absolutely. I think we definitely would have because... I don't know. And also, you know, after you go through a bear market, it's like this is something you need. Like you're saying, bring getting your fleet younger, basically. You're like you're getting to kind of bring forward a lot of that hash rate. Like, yeah, we definitely would have would have looked at it a little bit differently. But during those bull runs, especially those that last one, everybody's like, oh, it's always going up. It's always it's like, no, it's not. It's not going to always go up. It's ridiculous. Just it's like oil. You know what I mean? You're going to have ups and downs. You're, you're going to. So what I love about this space is just how like passionate everybody mm. in this space is and i think that's one of the cool things about this show having people who like have had careers and then like stumble upon bitcoin they're like right. no, this is what i need to do with my yeah. life like it's cool as shit like what else are you gonna and like i just feel like it's there's a few like there's a few bad apples mm. probably that i could think of that kind of come to mind in the industry but like not many not near as many yeah. as compared to like any other industry in the world it right. seems like for the most part, it's like genuinely great people who like want to do good in the world. And Bitcoin is like the tool to see that manifest. God, and I think it weeds more. them out too. Yeah. This industry yep. weeds out the bad actors pretty fast. Really quickly. Yeah. Because we're, it's such a small community. Mm-hmm. I think we've realized that yeah. through this show, like how small it is. Yeah. I think we, we police our own and we, uh, 
get those yeah, bad apples out as quick does. as possible. All it, the all the benefits in life come from compound interest, yeah. and mm-hmm. I believe that comes from people as well. Play long term games with long term people, and I believe and we believe that Bitcoin is the longest duration game that you can play. So you might as well play in this game because yeah. this game has fair rules. This mm-hmm. game has accountability. This game is all about trust and fairness. Mm. You know, there's it's only going to be 21 million Bitcoin. Um, so you guys, are, you're 100%. I've been blown. Oh, I, I suspected this was the case getting into Bitcoin, that it was going to be really smart people. Because that's all I, you know, as, I, as you're taking in the 10,000 hours of content that's yeah. necessary to understand yeah. Bitcoin. Or at least that's how long it yeah. took me because uh, I'm not so smart. But um, but. You suspect that Bitcoiners are going to be fun to work with and great to work with. And you suspect they're super smart. I've been blown away by two things. Everyone I meet is smarter than me, which that tells me I'm in the right room. Yep. And then, and then the second thing is, is I'm overwhelmed with people like Justin, people like yourself now that we've met and in others that I'm doing business with and investing in and, and everything who will just trip over themselves to help mm-hmm. you. How can I help? How can I help? Everyone has a servant's heart mm-hmm. and Gosh, if you look at what's at the Nakamoto of Bitcoin mm. and what's at the center of it, I mean, it's hope, it's abundance, it's servant's heart, it's all those things. And we just need to let the rest of the world know about it. Mm. It's exciting and it's fun. That's right. It is. On top of all that. And it's know? not short hours, though. It's long hours. No, it's it is hours. really long We all, long we all hours. work really hard. Really long hours. <laughs> but it's so cool whenever you get everybody together in a room, whether it be 20, 30, or mm. 1,000 of us. That's God, true. Just, we just have such a great time together. You do. And it's got a really good spirit about it. So it just, you can feel the energy with the people that are, that are in there. Usually it's really a good, a good spirit, good vibe, good energy. So, um, and Austin, like you're such a good dude. And I know he, I get the impression you don't like me saying this and it's probably just cause you're a humble dude, but he is like Bitcoin Jesus. You look like him. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. he's you got the kind heart. You were you're oh, a wise man. dude. You care about helping other people. I'm like, this guy's like, he is Bitcoin Jesus. We should be your disciples. He's always spreading this the gospel of Satoshi, as, as Jake always says. So, yeah, Amen. It's, it's well, that, good. that name Bitcoin Speaking Jesus of, comes with so much baggage. Back to the fork wars, right? So, let's I don't just know hope he don't get crucified. Okay? Yeah, 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 he yeah, did. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He, he's le- he was left at the altar. That's I mean, speaking sure. of tax benefits, maybe if we just like. I don't know. Maybe made Bitcoin a religion. Get some, <laughs> I, some better. We would have so benefits. many members of the Bitcoin Church so fast. We would oh, fill man. up. Yeah. We then we got all kinds of tax benefits. I mean, uh-huh. if you if you sit down and try to do the math on what the longest standing institutions are in the world, I mean, try to like it's really like Catholic think about Church, it. probably Man. Catholic yeah. Church. Right. Churches are some of the longest standing. And how do churches Didn't ever survive? think about that? Yeah. How do religions and churches stay outside of the tax? Code. Yeah, but well, that's a big part. That's a big part of it. Part of it. Part of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, one, they have a, they have like relig- literally mm. religious following. So people who will do anything to protect right. that network. They have that community who will who will you know they'll die on the cross for mm-hmm. what they believe and for their beliefs. They will pick up their family and move. They'll right. they'll do they'll they'll sacrifice themselves for their cause. So they yeah. have that community. But then that community typically gives. Mm-hmm. they give to the rest of the community. So there's, there's typically a what's tithing, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. tithing was historically, you know, 10%, 10% of everything you go goes to the institution. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not su- suggesting you, you know, um, you know, go that extreme. If you want, you should, I mean, 
right? Yeah, but it's also right. the giving of, of of time, right? Right. Not to, not only to the church, but to the community, to mm-hmm. other people who are, who are within the church. You know, it's a giving of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just like you're pretty much just your thoughts, energy, like your yeah, mind share and energy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, everything goes into that, especially growing up. Um, you know, being in the church three, four days a week. Yeah, you know, for years, uh, for pretty much most of my life. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. I could get big one's no different. Welcome to First Baptist. Big <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right, right. First Baptist big <laughs> I could get into like my mom not letting us celebrate uh, Halloween and like why I she, could read. She Harry told Potter. me, you know, oh, wow. huh? yeah, like, told me all kinds of stuff, but. Um, before we go, we got to have the producer, today's producer, come on real quick. Come here, dude. You can come take this seat and hear about your soccer freaking domination, huh? Is this mic on here for him? Or? That one's not on. So oh, it's not. Come here, pop, bro. Pop on to yours real quick. Come here, man. There you go. Producer for the day. Why don't you tell everybody your name? Um, Jackson. Yeah, look at the camera over here. Looking down there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jackson Ballard. In producing the show today, coming off a big soccer win. A lot of people know Jackson. So Jackson, you may not know this, but you were on stage. Well, you know that you were on stage, but like, yes, you don't realize that everybody knows you from Empower Twenty Two. Yes, you came I, on stage. I know. I my dad tells me a lot that people want me to come at those conferences things. Gotta you got to come to Empower team. next year. Yeah. Why didn't you bring him this year? I, he he didn't. He Jackson, what are you doing, dude? I mean. I don't know anything about Bitcoin, but oh, yes, I know. It's oh, good. It's good. Justin, what are you it, doing? Okay, all I know is that it's good. And yes, it's freedom <laughs> money. Freedom money. There Dude, he go. nailed it. That's all nailed you need. Good job. It took the rest of us 10,000 hours to figure it out. And you know that already. <laughs> Pretty good. Well, uh, I, I knew this before my dad. Oh, you did? All of a sudden, you know before your dad? Yes. All right. So are you going to go pro in soccer or in Bitcoin, you think? Soccer. Okay. He's going to get paid in Bitcoin, though. That's right. Yeah. Maybe. No. Well, I don't know. What no maybe about it, bro. What do you mean there's no baby? No maybe about Pay it. Pay me in Bitcoin. Yep. We're going to get paid in Bitcoin. All Dollars right, won't fine. exist by the time you can get a salary. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They will. You just won't want them. <laughs> yeah, you won't want them. <laughs> They'll be worth nothing. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, th- thanks for producing the show today, bro. Yeah. You crushed it. Nailed it. Congrats you on the uh, hat trick. You said you had a hat trick? Or? I almost got a hat trick. Off but the post. You had two in, one off the post. Dude. But in my season in total, I've had a hat trick. He, he had three for the season. He really came on the end of the year. Tell him what you're getting because of, you got your third goal. Uh, I got invited to a legacy team. Well, you did get invited. Yes, he did today. Actually. Congrats, Someone man. asked me if they wanted to join the legacy team. Is that like Premier League? It, it's yeah, it's like yeah. a travel. Yeah. Team. Manchester United. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like someone Manchester, <laughs> someone <laughs> asked me to join, and I'm not even the best on the team. There's like two yeah, other. There's Mr. two humble. other wow. players, Giovanni and uh, Caleb. They're awesome. I can't. I can't beat them. It's not about okay, how I, you hey. play. It's also about your swag. Well, yes. Yeah. And you he's know. got the dopest hair of anybody. Yeah. Sure, I might have like more <laughs> skills, as in like I know I can know how to get past. But honestly. They they probably are better than me okay. in shooting at like goals. Currently, total. they are. Yes, currently, currently. they're also older. Not than to- you. Yes, yeah. Caleb's like my age. Which one's Caleb? Uh, tall kid. He ain't your age. Yeah, he's- I doubt well, he has no, as Gio many trophies is. as you, though. Uh, yeah, th- they didn't get asked, but I just got asked. I wasn't even the best, but sure, I'm one of the best, maybe. But hey, I saw you on the right day, bro. Yeah. <laughs> saw you on the right day. That's all sure, I'm one of the best, but I'm not the best out of the whole I team. I thought you were going to tell him you're getting a, a 
PC now. Oh, yeah. I am getting a PC now. I'm going to drain my dad's bank account. Oh, that won't take much. <laughs> That'll be easy to do. So. But yeah, I got invited to the legacy team. All right, good bro. job, dude. Well, thank you thank for you. your uh, assistance today, despite you playing your dorky music in the background. Or watching. <laughs> Love you, bro. All right, guys. Good, if you like the work. show, take two seconds to leave us a rating review. Share with all your friends. We will catch you guys on the next one.